keep rolling, keep rolling there. Wait a minute, wait a minute, Doc. Uh, are you telling me that you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? The way I see it, if you're gonna build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? I sent him into the future! You know how in just about everything, when it becomes Wednesday or becomes hump day, you always hear someone say, it's hump day, and you get that camel that goes, well, I'm going to be different. And for those of you who listen to this tomorrow, because it's Tuesday right now and I'm recording, for those of you who listen to this on Wednesday, it's hump day. There you go. A little bit of something there for you there. But I've always wondered, one of the greatest franchises that I've ever ever seen that I love to death is what you heard at the beginning here. Christopher Lloyd, Michael J. Fox, Mary Steenburgen, uh, Crispin Glover. Great cast. Great movies, too. Back to the Future. And I've always wondered about the history and how time travel works with Back to the Future. And I just found this extremely interesting. So, go back to the future with me, and wander as I do. And if you read the words time travel on just about any site, like the one I'm doing my research on right now, Cinema Blend, you can almost be assured that one thing will instantly come to mind. With the smell of burnt rubber and a familiar familiar twinkle of well-worn music notes, you can bet that the Back to the Future trilogy is one of those things that almost immediately presents itself in the pop culture consciousness. But I'm not here to talk about whether or not Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale's landmark sci-fi trilogy is brilliant, which it is. Nah, maybe I'm going to talk about something a little bit more important. How the time travel world of Doc Brown and Marty McFly actually may work. Better still, this academic exercise in temporal studies can open the door to even more examinations in how time travel works at the movies and the cinema. As has mentioned in previous discussions everywhere, and previous thoughts about especially Avengers, Avengers Endgame, the subject of time traveling through the past, present, and future of any given timeline is going to be something that you're going to invest a lot of time into. So, if you like what you hear, there's a great, big, beautiful tomorrow, or yesterday, waiting for you in the ever after and the ever before. For now, let's go back and to the present, the future, and wherever else you want to go, of Hill Valley, California. Now, stop me if you've heard the story before. As Back to the Future itself has turned 35 years, several years ago, at the time of the article, at the time of what I'm reading here, and from my notes and my memory. However, the refresher is always a good idea when it comes to the movie pieces that you 
that you'll see moving through the story of Bob Zemeckis and Bob Gale's legendary sci-fi trilogy. So, here's a quick basic rundown. Throughout the course of the three movies, we see Einstein the dog, Marty McFly Sr., Dr. Emmett, Emmett L. Brown, Jennifer Parker, Biff Tannen, and Clara, and Clara Clayton all zoom back and forth through time. Oh, don't forget Jules and Vern, Doc and Clara's kids. This concerns them too, but just barely. Oh, get it, Jules, don't forget Jules and Vern, Doc and Clara's kids. Don't forget Jules and Vern, get it, Jules Vern. For for the intents and purposes of the Back to the Future trilogy, the present day is 1985. From that particular point on the timeline, the Back to the Future trilogy's time travel adventures span between the final film's trip to 1885 to the then far-flung future of 2015, which is six years in the past now, to stops in 1955 and a trip to to an alternate 1985 also take place. Because who would have thought... Time travel was such a dangerous, life-altering thing. And it can be. And it is. So it all started with a science experiment that saw Doc Brown testing his time machine to see if it would work. But then Marty McFly accidentally goes back to 1955 and has to correct the mistake of throwing off his parents' first meeting and falling in love. That's a simple enough beginning, but then Marty has a double shot of intentional time-traveling adventures, as Back to the Future 2 starts with Doc bringing Marty and Jennifer to 2015 to save their kids from going to jail, but leads to having to correct old Biff Tannen's betting streak starting in 1955, and preventing Doc from becoming murdered by Mad Dog Tannen in 1885. But, last but not least, Marty has to go home to 1985 when all is said and done, because the continuum. The two main methods, follow me here if you can, or if you haven't gotten lost already, because believe me, if I haven't been reading this or written this stuff down, I might might have gotten lost too. The two main methods in Back to the Future are a converted DeLorean, which actually existed, was a real thing, and a converted locomotive. Both have vehicles, whether through nuclear radiation, burning garbage, or steam power, need to get to 88 miles per hour and generate a charge of 1.21 gigawatts in order to do the time thing. When your vehicle of choice hits those milestones, you're going to see some serious stuff. During time travel stuff of course one very important thing to keep in mind is you need to be mindful of where you're traveling the exact spot you're traveling from is where you will is where you'll arrive when you reach the date of your destination and what was once and what was once a mall parking lot in 1985 could be a pine tree farm in 1955 Hoover conversion is recommended, so that whenever and wherever you're going, 
you don't need roads. And thanks to some script changes early in, on in the franchise history, you wouldn't need Coca-Cola either. And a lot of questions that gets asked, can history be changed as a result of time travel according to Back to the Future? Well, oh boy, can it. Throughout Back to the Future's history, we've seen the McFly kids almost wiped out of existence, Doc Brown almost murdered over a simple amount of money, and an entirely different 1985, where Biff Tannen runs Hill Valley and is rich beyond his wildest dreams. There's all there's a lot of history there is a lot of history that is almost changed in Back to the Future. However, some pieces of history do change permanently and for the better. One of the most classic examples of the perils of time travel, the Back to the Future trilogy, is a single timeline rewritten as events progress. Events progress. Artifacts, like photographs, faxes, and matchbooks, change as quickly as events are being changed in the timeline. So the better your chances of seeing an event come to pass, the longer that evidence is going to stick around. For example, Jennifer's facts from Back to the Future 2, surviving until the end of Back to the Future 3. When a newly wizened Marty rewrites his, rewrites his future by not engaging in 1985's fatal drag race. Well, Back to the Future's time travel was a messy affair. The end result could be seen as a net positive, and the consequences present the consequences present themselves in a very similar scenarios that hit three main characters, the three main characters, in very very unique ways. As Doc Brown, his wife Clara, and their sons, Jules and Vern, are still traveling through the whole of space and time in their souped-up locomotive, this could lead to even more chaos throughout the timeline. That's great for a film and media franchise, but that's horrible if you want to sleep at night Knowing you won't be, you won't have to adjust for a consequence for consequences of an accidentally generated tangent timeline. Still, Doc got a happy ending, finally finding himself bound to a family he never knew he wanted until he met Clara, whisking her away to be his companion for all of time and space. Now, for Marty. Seeing the consequences of the actions of his children, seeing the consequences of the actions his children, his enemies, and even his own self take in their lifetimes, he learns to have more confidence in himself. Marty, much like Doc, found himself a changed man in relationships that will keep him grounded. But learning not to give in to his more impulsive nature and to turn the cheek when called a chicken, puts Marty on the presumed path to success as a musician, instead of the working stiff he'd be he had he'd have become if he got into the accident with the Rolls Royce. Like famed science fiction author Father George McFly once said, "When you put your mind to it, you can accomplish anything." 
And that's good advice for anyone. When you put your mind to something, when you set your mind that something is going to happen to something, you can accomplish it. And nothing will stand in your way. And that brings us to the evolution of Marty's father being one of the linchpins of the Back to the Future series Altered History. George McFly never traveled through time. We certainly benefited from time travel. When George McFly and Lorraine Baines first met, the relationship begins out of pity after he falls out of a tree while trying to creep on an undressing Lorraine. The course of their love runs, runs in a safe and predictable manner, with the first kiss acting as the highlight of their steady but waning romance. However, once Marty helps his young father discover confidence, and thanks to the Taiwan presenting George with the opportunity to dethrone Biff Tannen as the big dog, the new George and Lorraine McFly are a pair of lovers that embrace romance and confidence, proving that so long as you follow the rules of time travel and know how to play a ripping guitar solo 30 years before it's ever invented, you too could change the future for it the better. So there you have it. Or as best as I can put it. The world of Back to the Future's time travel explained in a simple guide. Or a simple presenting. Hopefully I presented it in a good way. It is a process that's so much fun. Me and people there at Cineblend have dedicated themselves to keeping the subject going. Time travel is a well-beloved staple in sci-fi, and with so many variants on the subject, it is a handy topic to be an expert on, just in case you find yourself somewhere, or in some time, you don't belong. If there's any particular time travel stories you'd like to, to send to me, send to Cineblend, send to anywhere else, you can write into the podcast's Facebook community. And the podcast has a Facebook community, the Uncti Fiasco over on Facebook. And you can write in there and let us know your experiences with Back to the Future. How you, how you feel about it, how you worshipped it, what you think about it, what it means to you. And one of the most important things about the... The whole thing that that Back to the Future centered around was the DeLorean. And the DeLorean is an actual vehicle. It actually existed. And it still does today. If you go, if, if you're just ambling about and walking around, you can see people driving actually souped up or maintained, well-maintained DeLoreans. And you can see what they look like. Plus, Google DeLorean, Google DeLorean on Wikipedia, and Google DeLorean on, well, Google DeLorean on Wikipedia, Google DeLorean, look for it on Wikipedia, and you'll, it's really, it's, it's a very cool thing. So, but the DeLorean of the time machine from Back to the Future actually requires, like you've heard, 1.21 gigawatts of power, and needs to travel 88 miles per hour to initiate time travel. Universal Studios Special Effects Department built three main DeLorean time machines for the movie. The film's producers characterized or categorized the DeLoreans with the A-car, B-car, and C-car. The A-car, known as the Hero Car, was the most 
detailed and utilized vehicle during production. After filming was over, the A-car was delivered to Universal Studios Hollywood as an attraction piece. As time passed, visitors started taking parts of the vehicle, taking parts off the vehicle and wandering off with them. Bob Gale selected a team to repair the car so that it could be in perfect condition. The vehicle is currently being displayed at the Peterson Automotive Museum in Los Angeles. The B car, known as the stunt car, used in all three movies, was mainly used for stunts. After purposely being struck by a train during production, the car was left as a pile of rubble. Movie car customizer J. Orberg used the B-car wreckage to construct various DeLorean replicas. The B-car's body panels were sold to Plant Hollywood, Hawaii, where it was hooked up on the, hooked up on the ceiling of the restaurant until it shut down in 2010. The car was sold at auction to Bill and Patrick Shea after the Back to the Future headquarters after the Back to the Future's headquarters reached out to Planet Hollywood to find the car's remains. The stunt car is currently being displayed at this moment in Hubberston, Massachusetts. The C car was used for interior footage and was torn apart so the camera could fit inside the car. The vehicle was left at Universal Studios Hollywood. Many of its parts were put, on, were put together on a replica model by Tom Talman Studios for Universal Japan. Universal Japan sold the car to a private company, and the vehicle is currently displaying on the company's, in the company's entryway. There were three extra DeLoreans used in the production of the sequels. The fiberglass car used on special effects was reportedly destroyed. The stunt train, better known as the Oxnard car, was displayed in Universal Studios Florida from the early 1990s to last year, 2020. The studio decided to replace the original car with a replica to be stored for restoration. The d- desert or desert or dessert, no it's not dessert, that would be weird, the dessert car. The desert car with the blue crossover with the blue crossover tube was left at Universal Studios Hollywood. Tom Tolman Studios used parts of the car on a replica displayed at Universal Japan. After Japanese workers stole some of the car props, screen use, screen use acquired the car for restoration and then settled the car settled the car for auction. Bill and Patrick Shea ended up buying it and then they placed the car on display at Hubberston, Massachusetts. The control of the time machine is the same in all three films. The operator is seated inside the DeLorean, except for the first time when the remote, when a remote control is used, and turns on the time circuits by turning a handle near the gear level, activating a unit containing 14 and seven-segment displays that show the destination in red, the present time in green, and the last departed in yellow in dates and times. After entering a target date with a keypad inside the DeLorean, 
the operator accelerates the car to 88 miles per hour, which activates the flux capacitor. As it accelerates, several coils around the body glow white while a burst of light appears in front of it. Surrounded by electrical current similar to a Tesla coil, the whole car vanishes in a flash of white and blue light, seconds later leaving a pair of fiery tire tracks. A digital speedometer is attached to the dashboard so that the operator can accurately gauge the car's speed. Various proposals have been brought brought forth in the past by the fans of the movie for why the car has has to be moving at 88 miles to achieve temporal displacement. But actually the production crew chose the velocity simply because they liked how it looked on the speedometer modified for the movie. The actual speedometer on the production DeLorean's dashboard only goes up to 85 and the car itself was criticized for being underpowered. Observers outside the vehicle see an implosion of plasma as the vehicle disappears, leaving behind a trail of fire aligned with the DeLorean's tires, while occupants within the vehicle see a flash of light and instantly arrive at the target time in the same spatial location relative to the Earth as when it departed. In destination time, immediately before the car's arrival, three large and loud flashes occur at the point from from which the car emerges from its travel. After the trip, the exterior of the DeLorean is extremely cold, and frost forms from an atmospheric moisture all over the car's body. Vents on the back of the vehicle, as shown in several pictures that you can see if you when, if and when you Google it, are, are noticeable, indicating the time travel and indicating the venting. A few technical, a few technical glitch, glitches with a DeLorean hindered time travel for its users. In the first film, the car has starter problems and has a hard time restarting once stopped, much to Marty's repeated frustration. In the second movie, the destination time display malfunctions and shows random dates, mostly January 1st, 1885, which partially caused Doc to be sent to 1885. In the third movie, the flying circuits added by Doc in 2015, fuel line and fuel injection manifold are damaged, preventing the car from moving under its own power. The time machine is electric, and requires a power input of 1.21 gigawatts to operate, originally provided by a plutonium-fueled nuclear reactor. In the first movie, following Marty's accidental trip from 1985 to 1955, Doc has no access to plutonium in 1955, so he outfits the car with a large pole and hook in order to channel the power from a lightning bolt into the flux capacitor and send Marty back to 1985. During Doc's first visit to 2015, he has the machine refitted to fly in addition to standard road driving, and he replaces the nuclear reactor with a Mr. Fusion generator that uses garbage as fuel. I'm sorry, garbage as fuel, that just tickles me. It just makes me laugh. Although the Mr. Fusion unit provides the required power for the third time machine, 
the DeLorean is still powered by an internal combustion engine for propulsion. The fuel line is damaged during Marty's trip to 1885, in Part 3. After he and Doc patch it, they attempt to use whiskey as a replacement fuel since commercial gasoline is not yet available. The test, unfortunately, fails, damaging the car's fuel injection manifold and leaving it unable to travel under its own power. Doc and Marty consider options to reach, their, to reach the required 88 miles per hour, such as pulling it with horses, which fail because the car barely breaks 30. And they ultimately settle on pushing the car with a steam locomotive. They replace the DeLorean's standard wheels with a set designed to mate with the, t- with the train rails. For the extra power needed to push it up to speed, Doc adds his own version of Presto Logs, a chemically treated mixture of pressed wood and anthracite. To the locomotives, he adds it to the locomotive's boiler and chooses a location with a straight section of track long enough to achieve 88 miles per hour. And now you're wondering, you may be wondering, believe me, what I wondered, what exactly is a gigawatt? Now, as you look it up, it's gonna, it's g, it's it's spelled g i g g a, w a t t, which actually, according to the movie and what's ever been said about the movie, g i g o, g j, sorry, it's actually spelled j i g o w a t t s. A gigawatt is the power required to pronounce. Is the power required? The power required is pronounced in the film as 1.21 gigawatts, with a gigawatt referring to 1 billion watts. The spelling of gigawatts is used in the script and was the spelling used in the closed captioning in earlier home videos versions of the film. However, the correct spelling, as everyone has noted online and you can find everywhere, is what I've just mentioned, the G-I-G-A. Although rarely used, the J sound at the beginning of the of the prefix is an acceptable pronunciation. And every time you hear Christopher Lloyd say gigawatts, your brain thinks J. You, your brain wants to say the word J. So I maintain to anyone the actual pronunciation of the power use, the actual spelling of the power use is J-I-G-O. Later versions, in later versions of closed captioning, such as the 2020 DVD trilogy released, have corrected the spelling to, to G-I-G-A. Now, it's, it's very, it's, it's, a lot of it is very weird and very interesting. Another thing is interesting is the flux, the flux capacitor. It contained, it's, it consists of a rectangular shaped compartment with three flashing Geisler style tubes arranged in a Y configuration. It's described by Doc as what makes time travel possible. The device is the core component of the time machine. As the time machine nears 88 miles per hour, light coming from the flux capacitor begins pulsing more rapidly until it becomes a steady stream. Doc originally conceived the idea the, the idea for the flux capacitor on November 5, 1955, when he slipped when he slipped on the edge of his toilet while hanging a clock in his bathroom and hit his head on the sink. 
A similar but possibly steam power flux capacitor is seen on the chimney is seen in the chimney headlamp of Doc's second time machine, the time train at the end of Back to the Future 3. Although the films do not describe exactly how the flux capacitor works, Doc mentions it at one point that the stainless steel body of the DeLorean has a direct and influential effect on the flux dispersal. But he's interrupted before he can finish the explanation. The flux capacitor requires the 1.21 gigawatts, which is roughly equivalent to the power produced by 15 typical commercial airplane jet engines. The instruction manual for the AMT ERTL DeLorean model kit says, because the car's stainless steel body improves the flux dispersal generated by the flux capacitor, and this in turn allows the vehicle smooth passage through the space-time continuum. It's I know that's it's a lot of a lot of huh. Now, if you have if you're going like I was going like huh, go back and rewind a little bit and listen to that again. Hopefully, I can explain a little bit better to you. The Mister Fusion, then Mister Fusion Home Energy Reactor, is the name of a power source used by the DeLorean time machine. It can be, it can be seen for the first time in the end of the Back to the Future, in the end of Back to the Future, when Doc pulls into the McFly's driveway after a trip to the year 2015. It is a parody of the of the Mr. Coffee, coffee machines, which were very popular at the time of filming. Mr. Fusion can provide enough power to the flux capacitor, capacitor, and the time circuits but is not used to power up the DeLorean itself, which makes use of an ordinary gasoline combustion engine to reach 88 miles per hour. The limitation prov- this limitation proved crucial to the third movie, when Doc and Marty find themselves stuck in 1885 and unable to drive the DeLorean due to a punctured fuel line. The vehicle's hover system, or hoover system, is powered by Mr. Fusion and is capable of bringing the DeLorean up to the required 88 miles per hour. The combustion engine was also probably left on board as a backup. However, the flight systems were destroyed as a result of a lightning strike, leaving Marty to rely on the original combustion engine, which in turn was disabled. There's a lot of science and a lot of stuff inside of that. And it's, it's, it would take a lot more time than any of us have right now to get into. So, thank you all for listening, and thank you all for sticking around here and listening. Hang on for a little bit more at the end here. Want to check out the best podcast and best YouTube channel out there? True, true friends of this podcast? Check out Fantastic Cruising over on Apple Podcasts and all your favorite podcasting devices and services. Give them a five-star review. Head on over to YouTube. Look up Fantastic Studios. Give them a five-star review and give them comments. They'll love that to death. They are the greatest podcast out there. Give them a shout-out. Want to go to Vegas? Visit the best places 
all around the strip and all around downtown all around the surrounding areas check out the best vlogs for vegas anywhere on youtube at brar frederick over on youtube b-r-o-r frederick f-r-e-d-r-i-k over on youtube go over to brar frederick subscribe to his channel click that bell icon click that hit those those like those like up thumbs give give brar a follow give brar a look you'll really love what you're seeing he's an awesome streamer the best vegas streamer and the best thing to watch while you're in vegas before you go to vegas just to experience vegas as a whole Please join me in supporting and giving to the Pride Foundation and the Trevor Project. When you donate to the Pride Foundation, you join thousands of supporters building a better, safer, more equitable world for LGBTQIA people and their families. Every gift, whether $1 or $1,000, makes an impact for real people and ripples outward into our communities. There are many different ways to join and help the fight. Also go on to their websites for the Pride Foundation and the Trevor Project and donate and help in any way possible. The Trevor Project offers support and help for LGBTQIA youth all over the country and all over the world. Please show them some love and give them some support.